Alright, welcome back to another episode of The Goalpost. Happy Friday, everybody, including Baker Mayfield. Guy led the Rams to a comeback victory last night on Thursday Night Football. Is Baker back? Baker? Baker might be back, but I think the Raiders are the real who's back to be in what they really are. It seems as if I cursed the Raiders with my light the beam from last I episode. Didn't, I didn't want to say it, but you I'll, said it. Hey, you know me. I'm a, I'm a right hand up guy. I'll, I'll admit when I'm wrong. Got no problem where I'm wrong probably more than I'm right. So just when you think the Raiders have turned a corner and turned into a possible playoff team, they throw maybe the biggest stinker out there that they possibly could in what seemed to have root ended their season probably playoff yeah, hopes. I think so. I think so. And with other teams in the AFC trending upwards, like you just couldn't really lose this game and losing it the way that they did. Yeah. That was morally supposed to be the easy and, one. Yeah. Morally and statistically, I think they're pretty much done. And it was so weird because it was the Raiders game to lose pretty much at the end of the day. And they held the keys for the whole game and could not get stops on defense when it counted and then just couldn't convert on offense. They had a sweet opening drive touchdown and then they looked great on it. And then they just couldn't get it done for the rest of the game. It was a ton of field goals and then they, they just left too many points on the board. Left, left way too many points on the board. It was just every, it felt like they had the ball the entire game. It really did up until yeah. those last five minutes. It was, I just, I was watching Carr throw to Adams, Josh Jacobs going for runs. It was Matt Collins doing trick plays. It, it felt like the Raiders had the ball the entire game. It felt like Baker Mayfield was just getting sacked by Max Crosby, Chandler Jones. And then just, just when you think they're dead, the Rams just hung around. They kept the game within two scores the entire time because the Raiders kept settling for field goals, like we said. And Baker Mayfield just went on two two really great drives to end the game, and they ended up winning. Yeah, that I think the first one's underrated. It's 12 minutes left, you're down 16-3, to three, and then you get a 9-minute, 75-yard drive. Cam Akers gets it at the goal line after a huge fourth down play to, to keep the drive going. And we said it last episode, like, give me Baker Mayfield to make Rams games at least somewhat interesting for the rest of the year and we're already kind of reaping the rewards as long as they can be feisty which is exactly what they were he he gets the ball with a minute and a half left and goes down and drives 98 yards it was it was awesome and anybody who stayed up to watch that the end of that game totally got rewarded yeah Baker Baker looked free out there looked like there was a weight off his shoulders kind of when he put that uniform on he probably had Sean McVay no pressure on him with literally two days from being claimed by the Rams to starting. Well, no, he didn't start, sorry, from appearing in Thursday Night Football. But yeah, he, he looked good in a Rams uniform too. He liked, he, there was something about Baker, and I'm I'm not a Baker guy personally, but it was like, seemed easier to cheer for him in that Rams uniform. He was playing free. He was just kind of just throwing the ball. It was kind of, you know, it was probably like Pop Warner football for him. He's just out there playing a game. I don't know how they ran offense though. I like snap counts, cadence, I all that stuff. That is just that's the like really impressive part for me. I didn't like Baker's a smart football player. Yeah, that's- and that's where even as a a fan, I always 
am in awe of how much knowledge football players have to have in their head going all the time. And to come in off of two days, he was probably reading the playbook from the second he got signed by the Rams. I think I, I saw something, sorry, he he like gambled that the Rams were taking him and he booked the flight on Monday the second he got put on waivers. Yeah, to go to LA, which is pretty cool. And everybody loves a good story like that. Who knows if everybody stays with Baker with this energy if let's say they get they have a bad loss to the Packers next week. But for right now, I think Baker deserves some flowers for doing what he did. And he still shows that he has some sort of star quality in him. I don't know if he's if it's like a well-rounded star quality, but he still has some of that inside of him. He's he's set up to have a Josh McCowan, Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of career yes. where he'll be able to start on teams for sure. I think he kind of proved that last night. Like he still is NFL level caliber player for sure. But on a top 20 team, you probably don't want him as your starter because he probably won't go too far, but he can make a team not come in last, I guess, like a game manager. You just bring him in to maybe go five and 12. I, I don't know. It's he's an interesting guy. I, this, I like him that, with Sean McVay now. Well, that's what I, I was about that, to say. If Matt Stafford's done. Like, do they just, is Baker just now their starting quarterback? Yeah. Do they, do they just essentially say, okay, this was a first overall pick. He still has a franchise quality in him that we can at least sell to the fans. And yeah. And that moving was the off most... of a bad season where you don't have a lot of hope from the Rams, right? Like, if you get a flashy guy and can somewhat spin him into being your next franchise guy, that's, that's pretty good from where they were, I don't know, three weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely better than uh, John Wolford or Bryce Perkins. That's Certainly. that's not even a conversation. But the Rams are a great situation for Baker if he becomes the starter there next year and they go with him because he's just going to have weapons that can do a lot of the work for him. Yeah, Cooper Cop obviously out for the out for the year, I believe, and Allen Robinson's pretty much out for the year. So he he did that with kind of their third string, fourth string guys last night. I mean they haven't been able to really find a running game. So if you find a running back for him, I think that'll help just having some stability in the backfield. Yeah. But overall, it's, it's definitely a conversation to be had because Matthew Stafford with that neck concussion sort of injury, it seems Fine. yeah, something very just questionable if he will play football again. Yeah. Especially because he got his Super Bowl. I mean, he's had a great career. He's got nothing left to really prove. So who knows when you've made that much money and you're already there living in Los Angeles, he might just sail off into the sunset, but it's an interesting place for the Rams to be on the opposite side. This is a pretty crushing loss for Vegas. Here's a sad stat. Raiders dropped to 0 and 4 this season in games they've been leading by double digits at halftime. The most by any team in the NFL in a single season since 1930. We're getting into leather helmet stats. 1930. Yeah. Yeah, that's deep. It's bad. They, and that just that you can't come back from that. No, I mean, they had three points in the second half. I know I said it, it felt like they had the ball the entire game, but they just really dominated the first half. And Derek Carr throwing that interception right before the half when they were was third and Such five from killer. like the 10. Yeah, that instead was, of going I mean, 13 3 and a half, you could have been going 20 to 3 and a half. That's game. That's so demoralizing, yeah. too, for the opposite team. But they had life going into the locker room, an interception, no points on the board. Yeah. They just, the Rams were able to 
or sorry, the Raiders were not able to just get it to a three score game. And if they did, they would have won. And they had so many opportunities to do it. Yeah. And part of that, like if you're, if you're trying to say, oh, well, Josh Jacobs getting injured was really what stymied our offense for the rest of that game. He still finished with a hundred yards and a touchdown. Like if you're getting a hundred yards and a touchdown out of him, you can't complain. The only spot where that might've hurt would be like run blocking or receiving maybe, but True. Running the ball, he was still he was still fine. I mean, it doesn't affect your legs. Devontae no. Adams looked very good, had two amazing downfield catches. Mm-hmm. I just their defense played well. I mean, Max Crosby, like they're getting sacks. It was just they just didn't really take advantage of any opportunity they had, and they had a lot of them. And I mean, it bit them in the butt, and they they ended up losing the game. Yeah, you can't win games in the NFL like that. You see it almost every week in some form across the league of a team that's not taking advantage of offense and then they just get burned for it later down in in the game. So the Raiders are dead, Baker's back, and a pretty good Thursday night football, all things considered, even though it was a pretty boring game. I think everybody Uh, like left with a good taste in their mouth. There's been, I mean, the past two primetime games, Monday night football and this game right here was... Very boring games up until the last five minutes, but rewarding yeah. nonetheless if you stayed up. Exactly. So you feel like they were satisfied. You were satisfied with watching that game. Another yeah. thing I just I loved from this game was Al Michaels just giggling every time Baker Mayfield made like and like a twenty yard completion. He was just laughing. Oh, it's just, look at that! Look at that! He's dude, so checked out now. He's like so mailed in these games, especially that this one's in L.A. You can just like hop over. He's not even he trying was. to show that he just thinks the Rams are like he's literally laughing at them on national that I found that funny though because he can Al Michaels can really do whatever he wants he's earned that right to do so what do you what do you think about uh Herb Street on the Thursday night calls I think he's wearing thin I think he started out super strong in the first few weeks where he seemed really fresh and then especially it's tough when college football progresses the way it does because you start seeing him more and more naturally into December but I think now kind of the shine's worn off a bit, and sometimes it feels like he's talking a bit too much, I would say. Yeah, I think it's just too much of him. Yeah. Because he does this, yeah. he, he, calls, he calls a game, and he does ESPN College Game Day. So he's yes. all over your TV Thursday and Saturday. It's it's too much of him. I think he, he belongs in college. I think that's where his heart is at. I think that's where he most enjoys Doing where his, his mojo job. is, yeah. yeah. But he'll he'll take a gajillion dollars from Amazon for every yeah, Thursday I, night. Why not? Yeah, he's he's doing all right. I mean, he's, <laughs> he doesn't really care about what we're saying right now because, I mean, he's calling it. He's not doing a bad job. It's just no, no it's just, Herb Street. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. And you start noticing that kind of when – like Yeah, as it go, the more it goes yeah. on, the more you kind of get sick of seeing him on, on your TV. But he's a good guy. Yeah, leave him in college. But yeah, there's the Thursday night recap for you guys. All right, welcome back. We're here to talk a little NHL. It's been a while, and I think it's due time to give a little recap of the NHL, kind of get everybody back to speed on what's trending throughout the league, on developments in divisions, on who's trending up, who's trending down, to kind of give you guys a little bit of everything We talked last episode about the Leafs versus Stars matchup with two of the league's top point streaks going at it, Jason uh, Robertson and Mitch Marner. And in the end, it was Marner who extended the streak and set the franchise record of 20 game point streaks. 
Uh, and the Leafs just had a super impressive win for nothing against one of the better teams in the league right now in the stars. And that's just the start of it because Marner continued that streak to 21 against the Kings last night on route to a five, nothing victory. It was the Leafs are hot right now. It, it really seems that way. It, it really does. The Leafs have, have appeared to be one of the, the upper echelon teams in the NHL. Now I should be transparent with the audience. I've been very focused on football. I've been watching a lot of football, have been watched a lot of hockey, a lot of Sens games. That's about it. Maybe the odd Leaf game if it's on TV, there's nothing else. The odd late night Calgary game. But I, I really haven't been that in touch with the NHL. But it seems like every time I'm watching SportsCenter, the Leafs have won the night before. And I mean, they're as of right now, they're getting good goaltending that I think was one of the biggest question marks going into the year for them. It appears when Matt Murray is healthy, he's a, he's a good goalie. And I have, I think I've said that as a Suns fan, like in the trade, it was he, him and Ottawa, it just, it wasn't working out and they had to, he, both of them needed to move on from each other. Uh, the Leafs were a, a happy, a happy trade partner in that now I'm sure. But when he's healthy, he's a good goalie. His biggest problem is being able to stay healthy. Yeah, I think the back-to-back shutouts for Murray and then Samsonov were huge in those 4 nothing and 5 nothing wins. And if you keep getting consistent goaltending and healthy goaltending, they've already hit those bumps early in the season. So as long as you get that and keep that going, I think that it's a upward trajectory for the Leafs because they're playing different than they have in years past that allows a team with good goaltending to just keep winning. Essentially they've looked unstoppable in the past month, despite having four regular starters out on defense with Riley Brody Muzzin and Ben. So it obviously has to be taken with a grain of salt in terms of like hope and expectations, but the Leafs who have looked bad in years past defensively are now starting to develop that next man up mentality So guys are being asked to do more and actually following through on it. And not only on the defensive unit, but the Leafs bottom six are starting to generate a lot more offense and just generally making them a tougher team to play against, which I think has been the biggest dark spot of the Leafs over the past two years is that they're too easy to play against when it gets tough. Yes, uh, the bottom six of the Leafs has always been a huge question mark. Um, Maybe not a question mark, but... uh bit of a sore spot i guess they've lacked depth and past playoff runs that you you don't really notice as much in the regular season and then when they get into like the nitty-gritty of the playoffs and it's a different style of hockey game they kind of have been exposed before uh what what moves like what guys in the bottom six have like stood out to you so far because i you're the leafs guy i haven't watched as much but who's kind of like stepped up and helped out with that depth concern of the past I think they've been kind of getting it done by committee recently. I think that Zach Aston Reese has stood out last night. He had a huge hit and a huge fight, which kind of started off the Leafs goals in the second period. Engvall had a nice goal last night. Mac Holloway has been huge. He's kind of cementing himself in, even though he didn't start the season with the team. And I think that those guys are kind of just playing a bit more tougher. Kampf has still been unreal. He's pretty much bolting down the bottom six. I think it's just been a good 
by committee effort. And even those deeper forwards are starting to have that next man up mentality as well. And then if you have that supported by all the stars doing their thing, it's a good recipe, I would say. Yeah, and I think this year more than any, we you really see the the big four like firing on all cylinders at the same time. It's mm-hmm. usually like one or two kind of falls off and then the other two are going and then vice versa. But as of right now, I mean, Willie's like leading the team in goals. I saw, I mean, you're getting production from the four highest paid forwards, which is also what you need to succeed in the playoffs. So a nice combination of both is it's what you need. But remember, got to keep Leaf, Leaf fans humble. You don't hang banners in December. No, you don't. No, you, you got to keep it going. You don't want to peak too early because that is a thing. But mm-hmm. I mean, the Leafs do have a have a good roster and they'll be in the playoffs. So if they can do it when it matters, then I'll be very much impressed about the Leafs. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. It's uh, It all has to be tempered. Another recent kind of trend in the NHL has been what I want to call an overpalooza. There's been an upsurge in goals across the NHL. In the past week, we've had scores 9-4, It's just been ridiculous. I think guys across the league are starting to score at a bit of a higher clip all of a sudden in the past like month, I would say. And nobody really knows exactly what it is. The goal, the league average uh, is high, the highest it's been since 1994 at 3.21 goals per team, uh, like per game, which is pretty impressive. There's people pointing to power play efficiency, seeing if goals uh, on the power player, what is driving it. And interesting stat there is that power play goal scoring shows that only seven teams are scoring less on the power play than last year. And including like the ducks, the blue jackets, some of the teams that really aren't good, but it seems like everybody across the league is getting more efficient power plays. And there's just been a ton of goals. There has been a ton of goals. A nine, eight hockey game is I had to triple check that when I saw the score in the morning, I was just, you you can't really grasp a nine eight hockey game. I don't really understand how it got there, but it did. It's a lot of goals. It seems seems like teams like Buffalo, uh, Boston, like those teams are just scoring five or six goals Edmonton, a night. And yeah, like if you're gonna, I mean, in in Buffalo, like if you're gonna be a not great hockey team, you might as well be a really fun hockey team to watch. And that's exactly what the Sabers have been this year. Your boy Tage Thompson five goals in a game it was four in the first period Mm -hmm. i mean these guys are just like 60 goals it seems like is going to be a regular occurrence in the nhl now which is insane yeah i'm glad thompson's finally seeming to get his flowers uh after signing a seven by 50 million dollar contract there was a lot who were really quick to judge the sabers decision making that's a discount Partially for good reason, too. Like, the Sabres management has been a mess. You have the Jeff Skinner contract. So I get why people were quick to judge that. But he had 38 goals last year, and he already has 21 this year. So he's turned into one of, if not the best power forward in the NHL right now. And he's also playing like a sniper at the same time. It's pretty great. Are we calling Tage Thompson a power forward? I think you have to. I saw after I saw that Sabres game in person, he is like a towering, towering player. And he just But walks. I think he's a skill guy, no? I think he is too, but he still uses his body. He uses his body to intimidate people. Like a lot of guys won't even go into the neutral zone with him because he just skate glides through and he seems too heavy to hit, I think. 
I don't know if you would definitely classify him as a power forward, but it's not your traditional power yeah, forward. With we'll that, put fr- it that way. With that frame, if if he and a lot of what people used to when he broke into the league, uh, discredit his game for was his defensive play, and I think he's gotten a lot better at that. But yeah, regardless, he's playing at a crazy clip right now. Also, McDavid in that 8-2 win against Arizona grabbed four points. He gets the 50 points in 27 games, which is just ridiculous. seventh fastest. How about the leader is Lemieux, who did it in 18 games twice? Lemieux is one of those guys where I think our generation just can't really, we don't get to appreciate him because we, yeah, obviously the cancer and, and stuff that ended his career uh, too early, unfortunately, but by the sounds of it, Lemieux was right there with Gretzky in terms of like stuff he was doing points wise, was scoring, how he just dominated the game. So that's one I think our our generation really missed out on. But I one so guy too. who also kind of just doesn't really get the shine he deserves, Sidney Crosby. Yeah, just doing it again, doing just, it again. I, I think he's on like a hundred twenty-seven pace. Yeah, and he's just the most reliable player in hockey. I would say. Uh, he's been that for 10 years he, now like yeah top 10 in points again like already no one's even talking about him he's actually scoring a decent amount this year he's got 15 goals Sid the kid is I think he's going to be the best player of our generation I mean Mick David does things that no one else can do I mean I'm not saying that but I think in terms of overall game Sidney Crosby is just He's he's unlike any other, and just it's a shame with the concussions that it has you know taken away from his full amount of games that he could have played. But even so, I think he's probably a top five player of all time, and it, he's just a really fun hockey player to watch. Yeah, I think Ovi's gonna get a ton of the shine when he eventually breaks the Gretzky record, which he should. But Crosby's yeah. been Mister Consistency for so long, and is like the perfect hockey player if you built them in a lab a lot of people say that yes. about mcdavid but crosby has the defensive chops of of like few other people who have played in the past 25 years like he's a nightmare in his to play against when you're in the offensive zone and he wins face-offs he, he does everything so i'm i'm glad that pittsburgh's looking real good i'm glad that crosby's starting to get a bit more of a shine and and they're looking dangerous yeah, they're a fun hockey team to watch. I mean, the last stand pretty much with those three guys. Yeah. And another team that's kind of in a last stand or a last dance is the Bruins, who just year in and year out just are always there. You you can't get rid of these guys, the Marchands, the Bergerons, Pasternak. Like just when you think the the regime's about to be done, it's they're as good as they've been in the past five years, it looks like right now. I hate it. I hate it. They're so good. And everybody was questioning whether they would be good without McAvoy and Marshawn. They proceeded to be the best team in the league without them and then got them back. It's not a good recipe for other teams in the East. I think that December always gets me so down and fired up about the league's playoff system because I see how well the Leafs have been playing, and I see where they're slotted to still play like Tampa Bay in the first round. And it's tough to to have a ton of hope in December when you know you're just eventually going to have to play probably one of the better teams in the league in the first round again. And I'm just praying that we don't get Boston in the first round somehow. 
Yeah, I I really miss the old playoff format. So, just one to eight. It's just simple. Keep it. Don't overthink it. Reward a regular season. Yeah. Yes. You should get rewarded for coming in first, second, or third. Uh, I mean, obviously, you, you somewhat get reward. You don't even really get rewarded if you win your division now. Not anymore. you could be playing uh, one of the best teams that maybe just missed the playoffs by a point, and they're just a, a wagon of a team that you just don't want to run into. And I don't know, looking at the playoffs right now, if it was in the 1-8 to eight format, the least would be playing the Penguins as of right now, which I think you'd much rather play them than the Bruins or the Lightning. I know it's not a team you you really want to play with Sid and Gino and, and those guys in the playoffs, but Yeah, but it's at least a team you don't have history with. They've been shoving yes. this like trying at this rivalry format. That was the whole Batman's whole thing with this playoff thing was that we're oh we're gonna create better ri- natural rivalries. And it's like no, people are just getting tired of seeing the exact same matchups every single year because they're so divisionally locked. Yeah, it's it's actually the opposite of a natural rivalry, rivalry because you're forcing it on them. Yes, you're you know forcing I mean? matchups. Natural was when the Leafs and the Bruins came fourth and fifth in the playoffs and they're playing each other in the first round because they were so evenly matched throughout the year and then they're just going to clash again mm-hmm. in the playoffs rather than, I mean, a, like a 10-point point differential, but because everyone else kind of isn't so great in your division – but then uh, the Metro is the best division in hockey, and you got five teams in the play. Like, yeah, it's not, it's not ideal the the format of these playoffs. But it, and I it mean, seems it like they're never going to budge, which is annoying. But you oh. never know because I mean, I never thought like the college football playoff would expand because they kept kind of saying no, 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 and then they eventually just give in. So yeah, I think if true. you keep kind of hounding Gary and the boys, Bill Daly, they might eventually give in. Yeah, email your local NHL owner and ask them to bring it up at the board meeting. Coming up next, I think we're going to return to a little bit of NHL trending up and down. We haven't done that in a bit. So I want to lead it off with my trending up team because I had them in my last trending down, which is the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, A few weeks ago, they were in the dumps of the Metro and just crawling to get points. And now they've seemed to make it all the way back to being second in the Metro. They can't seem to quite figure out overtime yet, but they're stealing points. They're four, one and five in their past 10 games. And you're going to need all the points you can get in the Metro. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to be down on them for losing overtime games just yet, but they're slowly getting their groove back. I think having five overtime losses in your last 10 games is it's Wild. actually impressive. It's I know. Impressive. I thought the Leafs were bad. Yeah, but but like you said, like they are getting these games to overtime, so it shows that you know they're in it. And then yeah, you're I stealing mean, points. Maybe they need to practice some more three on three, get the boys in the shootout to end practice, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, because they need to change something in that. Like you can't lose five. I it's agree. not even. It's five in your last ten. That's half your games you're losing in yeah. overtime or a shootout. So that's not ideal. But it is nice to see that they have kind of bounced back from their. Not even like shaky start, just lackluster start, I think you you could say. So it's things are shaping themselves out. They're fourth in the East right now. What who else is trending up for you? I also have the Calgary Flames. So they're currently Ooh. in the second wildcard spot after going six, three, and one in their past ten. They beat Washington twice, Florida, Carolina. They had a couple good wins in that span. 
They needed to get their offense going. Elias Lindholm only leads the team with 22 points. Huberto only has 16. But similar to the Hurricanes, another team slotted to be really good this year who are slowly finding their groove back. I think Jacob Markstrom needs to turn things around, obviously, to hit their stride. But Dan Vladar, all-time name, has been serviceable for them, gotten them important wins. So as long as they keep stealing kind of points and getting wins now, then I think they'll be set up to kind of ease into their season a bit more down the line and be a more competitive team and a team that people are scared about again. Yeah, this is such a Daryl Sutter coach team and just the opposite of what we were just talking about with the high goal scoring in the NHL. They don't have a single player that averages a point per game or more. Uh, like you said, it looks like Darth Vlad- Vlader. <laughs> what a nickname. Just I, I had to do it. I had to do it. He might be taking over the net. It's, yeah. They've kind of been riding with him lately. I think he is probably a starter caliber goalie in the NHL. And Jacob Marsham's always kind of been a streaky goalie. You never really know what you're going to get from him. I believe he was nominated for the Vesna last year or was... He was one of the best goalies. In, he was top five goalie in the NHL last yeah, year. Yeah, for sure. Not the case this year. No, but he yeah, admitted I mean, it himself. He said, I've sucked at hockey lately. It was a funny clip, but <laughs> yeah. Who's on your trending up? A team that started off just miserable. I mean, everyone was just talking about how bad they were and everyone should be fired. The Vancouver Canucks. They've won seven. They've won. Uh, they're seven and three in their last 10, including three in a row. They've bounced back from like just it that always seemed to be the head the lead story on TSM was just how bad the Canucks are doing. Yeah. A lot of pressure on Bruce Boudreaux. But this is a skilled roster that I think is they just needed a little bit of time to figure it out. Elias Pettersons have an amazing year. One of their biggest struggles was goaltending, and similar to Calgary, it seems like they've found somewhat of an unlikely hero in Spencer Martin here, who's Played 13 games. Uh, I mean, to Demko is 15, so he's just he's right behind him. Out of nowhere, out of nowhere, like that's a name you don't really you haven't heard of, and now he's 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 playing hockey. He's playing good hockey. J.T. Miller, Bo Horvat. Um, they they have, they brought up Kuzmenko, who gets points from the KHL. Like it, Vancouver is, it's a good roster, and they're they starting might be to play figuring closer. It out. Yeah. yeah, to figuring it out. I agree, which is good Mikhail to see. I like and the it. boys, yeah. Uh, who else? So for trending down, I did, sorry, I don't have a ton of trending up. I, no, it was, right. you, you stole the hurricanes from me trending down. I have, I mean, you could always say the flyers are trending down, but I believe you I'm could. going to go with the St. Louis blues. I had them as well. Yeah. You, I mean, you can carry, you can take it away. I, they it, just, it's, it's easy to see they're three and seven in their past yeah. 10. They're streaking hard. They've had all sorts of distractions. Jordan Bennington's been causing a muck. He might be the most disliked player in the league right now. And he also has been terrible in that in the past six games. He's 0-6 with a 5-11 goals against and an 8-27 save percentage. He's started 20 out of 26 games. So part of this might just be kind of wearing off or he's tired but because he looked great early in the season. But now they just seem all over the place. They let in a ton of goals. Yeah, the minus minus 23 goal differential. Yeah. I mean, I love seeing Bennington get laid out by Jordan Stahl. Yeah. 
I hate when goalies try and cheap shot players and it's, yeah. it's just you're a player or it's a no not. go. Like yeah. don't do that because if we if they want to take liberties on you, it'd be very easy to yeah, you know what I mean to course. take out a goalie. So just play the game. It's been it's meant to be played. Yeah. I mean Barube's calling calling him out. It's it's there's trouble over in, in St. Louis. Yeah, and they're past like, five similar games, to twenty-seven goals against. Yeah, and they're not a team that scores. No, exactly. They're like similar to Calgary, they don't have an, a player that's point per game. It's, I mean, it's, it's not pretty over there. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if they figured it. I thought they were they figured it out like two weeks ago. It seemed like they were trying to get back, like they're back to where they were supposed to be. Yeah. But I mean, it looks like they've come back down to what they might truly be. Yeah, my uh, my last trending down was the Colorado Avalanche. The injury bug is just starting to yeah. really hurt this team, man. They're sending out some abysmal forward lines. But Landis Gog's out. McKinnon's out for a month now. Manson's out. I mean, they signed Alex Galchenyuk, which is pretty much all you have to say about the state of that forward core. They're 5-5 five and five in their last 10 and now sit outside a playoff spot and have now lost three in a row. So they play St. Louis on Sunday, which is a huge game for both of them. Yeah, uh, Colorado, to I guess no fault of their own, has injuries have been the main reason, I think. I mean, I'm going to hope. I mean, yeah. I think when Colorado is fully healthy, they're for sure a top 10 team in the league, probably top five. But yeah, as of right now, they are definitely trending down with their injury trouble and they just they have to find ways to win games or get games to overtime similar to like a Carolina. Yeah, you got to you're putting out these rosters. You got to be able to just not fall fall far back because I believe they're out of a playoff spot right now. One point out. Yeah, you're going to have well, to I'll find just, ways to that. steal points over the next month or else. Yeah, you're sliding and you can't really make yeah. up a ton of ground. There are two points out of uh, out of the last wild card spot in in the West right now. Yeah. So. Which is a tough they, battle for that wild card right now. It's like the Oilers, the Flames, like everybody's right there, neck and neck. Canucks, Canucks yeah. are there, trending yeah. up. It's everywhere. So that's been a little NHL talk for you guys. Hope uh, we're paying a little homage to the uh, hockey fans out there who've been waiting for it, uh, and it's been long overdue. More to come. Welcome back. We're going to close out this episode with previewing a few games for NFL Week 14 this Sunday. It's a pretty big week. It's the last week of fantasy regular season for a lot of leagues. There's a few important matchups, so we're going to do our best to kind of get the best here and get you out of here. And then we're going to close with our goalpost picks. We're going to start with the Jets at Bills, which is the start of some huge divisional matchups right now in the most competitive division of football. The Bills are a 10-point favorite, Patrick. Is that too many points? I don't know. I don't think it is. Personally, I think that's a, a good spread. I think that's probably... I would probably have the, the line at around 9, so 10 doesn't seem crazy to me. Yeah, It's in Buffalo. I mean, it. It the Bills kind of want revenge after the, the Jets took them down earlier in the year, 20-17. to 17. So I think Josh Allen and the Bills are upset and angry that the Jets kind of took one away from them. But it really just depends on which Josh Allen shows up in this game if they're going to cover that number. 
Yeah, I think so too. And it's also going to depend on which Mike White also shows up. The last time he played against the Bills last year, he threw four interceptions. So I think this is going to ultimately come down to the quarterback play. If Allen is lighting up the field again, they're going to kill this Jets team. I think even though this defense is really good, I don't think they're that good to withstand, you know, a full Buffalo offensive pressure, which is starting to look more like itself. They're starting to roll a bit. Jets are playing consecutive road games while the Bills are rested after playing last Thursday, so it's not an ideal matchup for the Jets in that sense. No, and and you brought up the four interception game last year. I think we're due for a for know, a Mike White at, at at least two interceptions. You know, like he's he's not the future Jets fans. I'm I'm sorry if I'm breaking your heart here, but he <laughs> is he's just not a, a great quarterback. He's, he shows some flashes, shows some good flashes, but overall, Certainly. I just don't think you can trust him. Another thing to look for in this game is it's the bills backfield. I mean, James cook out carried Devin Singletary last week. So I mean, I don't really know whose backfield it is, but at least they're taking a bit of pressure off of Josh Allen. Who's just, we talked about it before, just always seems like he's trying to get injured almost. So. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to see, this shouldn't be a game where Josh Allen's running a ton. Like you should be able to beat this team otherwise. And yes. it should be a game where they do. Uh, the This is kind of an interesting game for the Jets because the Jets finished the season with the Lions, Jags, Seahawks, and then Dolphins. So they have a tiny bit of leeway in, in terms of getting wins. They should beat the Jags and the Seahawks, the Lions might give them some trouble. But in that sense, they aren't exactly right up against the wall, but it's setting up for that last game against the Dolphins to be a borderline playoff game. Yes, I mean, every game matters, it, it seems like, in these last five weeks. or four, Yeah, five weeks. Yeah, now, now is when football season really starts. Yeah, it's, it's where, I mean, we saw it. It started off with the Raiders on last night, like, they're yeah. they're pretenders. Just when you think they're kind of real and they might be like this is where the real teams show their true colors. I hope the Steelers are one of those teams that kind of are able to jump back up in the playoff picture. But back to this game, I mean, this is just. It seems like the Bills are going to run the Jets over. I don't know. I could be very wrong. I haven't watched a ton of the Jets at all this year, but I'm very interested in watching sauce Gardner match up against uh, Stefan Diggs. Definitely. heard a lot of positive things about him this year, possible defensive rookie of the year. Um, and obviously we know Stefan Diggs is a top five receiver in the NFL and can give, give any defensive back problems. So I'll be really interested to kind of watch that. All the pressure is on the, on the jets in this game, I think. Yeah, definitely. I think the Bills are looking to get right in the sense of have start building some consecutive games where they really look like a machine again. Vaughn Miller is now confirmed out for the year with an ACL injury, so I think they might use that to galvanize them a bit. And I think this Jets defense is good, but not good enough to stop the Bills in December right now, pretty much. I I, I got to agree with that. It's the Jets. I, I They're in the wild card spot right now. They're in the last one with the Patriots chargers at six and six, a game behind them. And then it's the Browns and the Steelers at five and seven, two games behind them. They're like they need to win some games. Cause you got to think the, one of those four teams is going to go three and two, maybe four and one over these last five weeks and, yeah, and make it interesting. If the jets go two and three, one and four, they, they could be in trouble. So 
Yeah, something if they could start off on, 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 yeah, and if they start like a big win again at Buffalo to start it off, like that's a huge boost for your team and in ending the season on a high note and possibly making the playoffs. I think this Jets team, say what you want about Mike White, I think they get up to play with him a lot more than they do Zach Wilson. And it's like these Jets receivers have new life with Mike White at quarterback. Yeah, they the the t-shirts getting onto the plane. They clearly want him yeah. to be their guy. So it's interesting to see. We'll see how guys like Garrett Wilson do against this Bills defense, who he's been playing great the past few weeks. So time will tell in this game, and it, I think it'll be a tough game for the Jets to win, but they can at least hope to get a good loss if they look good in this. But that brings us next to the Bucks at 49ers. The Bucks are on a short rest after their Monday night game against the Saints, but after struggling on offense for like that entire game, pretty much the last thing you want to see on your schedule is the number one defense in the league. And the 49ers defense just has a chance to kind of eat against the Bucks. I think. I think Tom Brady is in big trouble. I think this so game. too. Big, big trouble. Uh, the 49ers two weeks ago, I believe held the saints to zero points. Yep. And we saw what they did against like the Bucks. They were in that game. So the Bucks and the Saints can pretty much be wrapped into the same sort of group of teams. And I, I just I don't think Brock Purdy is gonna have to do much at all in this game for the 49ers to go out there and get a win. Exactly. You're starting Brock Purdy, who just pretty much has to play well for this offense to still put up a ton of points. The 49ers have been able to compete the past few years without elite quarterback play if we're going to be honest so Purdy's going to have a lot of help around him plus that towering towering defense and that should be a pretty nice advantage against the Tampa Bay team that despite the return quote-unquote of Tom Brady has been one of the worst offenses in the league this season so I don't I think it's a prime nightmare matchup for the Bucks, and I think the 49ers can roll over this team and instill even less faith in what will be likely a divisional leader heading into the playoffs yeah I would I would set the Nick Bosa over under sack total at like two and a half yeah maybe maybe even a flat three It, it like the Bucks O line is a shell of itself compared to last year. Like the the Saints were getting to him. It seems like every team is getting to Tom, and Tom doesn't move like he used to at forty five years old. So he's gonna have to throw the ball away a lot. The Bucks, if they want any chance to stay in this game, compete, and even win, they need to find a run game to take a lot of pressure Absolutely. off Tom Brady in and this forty nine pass Leonard rush. Fournette that is still questionable. Has been dominant all year. Oh, sorry. I thought you, I thought you were saying something there, but no. It's just like I mean, Bosa fourteen and a half sacks. It's just th- this game screams 49ers win it. I mean, the total set at thirty seven and a half just tells you everything you need to know. This screams like a fourteen to three. Yeah, just they just get out of there. It's not a pretty win for the 49ers, but that defense will probably just take care of business and. I mean, they'll go. They'll be flying home back to San Francisco, a happy bunch. Yeah, I think so too. Something to keep an eye on. The 49ers are four and two against the spread in their past six. I think three and a half is a bit low for this game, but I think that the 49ers can start to continue this, you know, hopeful Super Bowl path for them and put aside, you know, any notion that it's suddenly off the rails if they can just keep winning a few games here while Garoppolo's injured and while they have time to kind of buy or set up their next six weeks, you know? 
I I think it's 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 Brock. It's Brock's team right now. Even if like Jimmy G, if the 49ers are still playing football by the time Jimmy G comes back, I don't know if you can just like throw him in the NFC Championship or just throw him in the Super Bowl because that's no, true. Based on his seven to eight week timeline, that's around the time he'll be back if he if he does return. Yeah. So I think they're they're really gonna try like Kyle Shanahan. We know will will figure out a game plan for Brock Purdy and this offense. And I just think you're going to get a lot of what you saw last year with Debo Samuel and just getting them the ball and just letting them do the work. McCaffrey, Kittle, Ayuk. I mean, they have so many weapons that like Brock Purdy shouldn't have to do that much. And they will take the brunt of the load along with the defense and yeah, I Probably think it's the perfect. Them to a win. Yeah, I think it's the yeah. perfect kind of recipe for a quarterback in his position. So I think that one's pretty safe to assume. Following this, we're gonna go to Sunday night: Dolphins at Chargers. Dolphins are three point favorites on the road against the Chargers. This game got flexed into prime time, and it's giving me big college football vibes. Dolphins looked bad against the 49ers and lost a lot of momentum in the public eye, despite being an eight and four team and now have another chance in prime time to kind of shift that back the other way. And I feel like if the Dolphins win big and flashy as they can do, they'll quickly jump back into everyone's top five in that playoff contender conversation. Yeah, this is a huge game for both teams coming off uh, very demoralizing losses. I think Uh, the the Dolphins kind of just got outclassed a little bit by the 49ers last week and the Chargers just, couldn't win a tight one against a division rival. So I think both teams are going to be motivated. Uh, another storyline in this game is Tua versus Herbert. Definitely. The 2020 draft class. I think I'll, I think after this game, that's what everyone is going to be talking about. They're just going to be comparing the two and not even really looking at the, the two overall teams and how they played. I think it's just going to be course. very isolated on the two. Yeah. I mean, it's... I'm going to be able to find out a lot about this Miami Dolphins team from this game. I think I know what the Chargers are because mm-hmm. they don't know, like they don't even know what they are. They're just, uh, they're going to lose a game by a score or they're going to win a game by a score. And it's, it's, I mean, they're a weird football team, but I'm more interested to see how the, the Dolphins bounce back this week. Yeah, I think it's easier said than done. The defense looked really bad against the 49ers as well, and the Chargers can still be pretty frisky on offense with Herbert. I think Austin Eckler can kind of be a problem if Miami's defense isn't up to snuff. But I think that this is a game where if the Dolphins are as legit as they want themselves to be taken, then you have to go into primetime, you have to score points, and you have to look good. One thing to keep in mind, Taron Armstead practiced and said he is trying to play through his pectoral injury, which is never a great sign. Both of these offensive lines are pretty injury riddled, so I think it's going to be a pretty high scoring affair or a absolute sack fest. I think it's, you know, one or the other. Yeah. And and speaking of injuries, uh, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams will be playing together. They've only played yep. five total quarters of football together this year, so that's got to be exciting for that chargers offense to have their two wide receivers back and hopefully going i think a big key for the chargers in this game is going to be able to be to run the ball and keep that miami dolphins offense on the bench yeah because if they haven't really been able to run the ball with success this year it's been a lot of herbert doing it through the air and i mean i'm sure with allen and williams back he will be throwing the ball a lot 
but they need to find some success in the run game this week if they want to to limit that just insane offense of the Dolphins. Yeah, and that's what the 49ers did so well. I think the yeah. Dolphins had 19 minutes of total offense time in that game, total possession time, which is pretty crazy. So if you can get a run game against this defense and get them shaken up, it seems that the trend is that they'll they'll let up a lot of big yard plays and a lot of bad third down conversions, essentially. So I think it's a big prove it game. I think the Dolphins, if they want to be taken seriously, have to rise up to the occasion here and show that they're legit. Yeah, huge, huge opportunity for both teams. I mean, the Dolphins can, with a win, can throw themselves back into the AFC East battle with the Bills. Yeah, the Chargers win; they're thrown like they might be in a playoff spot with a win, right? So it, there's two very big storylines for both of these teams going into it. The Chargers, I mean, the Dolphins are in a better position than the Chargers when it comes to playoff spot. The the Chargers are in full on desperation mode right now. Like they need every they need win, win yeah. they can get. Which is why they, I don't love this being in prime time in the sense that I think the Chargers are really going to get up for this game. But only time will tell. I, th- I think this will be a game where it'll really be the better team. Who, whoever deserves to win that night will win. Yeah, I, I agree with you in your, your points prediction. I can see a lot of points in this one. Uh, I mean, Herbert has been sacked a lot 16 times in the past four games alone. So if the Dolphins can get pass rush, I mean, it'll help a lot with you won't have to defend Keenan Allen and Mike Williams as long when you get pressure on Herbert, which is another reason why the Chargers need to find a running game and they need to find it badly. Yep. Yeah. So only time will tell there and we'll keep an eye on that. But to close out the show, we're going to finish with our goalpost picks. Another Goodness. humbling week last week. I was six and six going into last week. I have my five hundred record still perfectly intact, and then I went one and five, and I'm now seven and eleven. Patrick, you were four and eight. You went two and four, and are now six and twelve. So you kind of stay at that clip, that two fifty clip you were at. Catching but, up to you though. Yeah, you're cat. You're you're gaining ground. Obviously, my first week kind of allure is wearing off, but. Patrick, you did better than me last week, so you're going to be leading off with the picks this time. Yeah, I I honestly felt like I got the short end of the stick last week. I mean, I think North Carolina was my only really bad bet. Uh, The other ones, I was in it. I mean, Kansas State, TCU not going over and over time was was a shame. Uh, The Chiefs, like just when you thought that they were about to turn it on, Kelsey fumbles, they lose it. And then the Chargers, Raiders over, missed by two points so i was i was in all of them if you took my picks you you were at least you had a fun ride it wasn't successful but it was fun oh and i i hate the board this week yeah i'll just i'll lead it off with that for the lead you're weak uh week you're leading too yeah i wanted you to lead because i have so many plays written down i'm gonna i'm gonna dip my dip my feet into hockey uh this week for the first time so tonight I'm going to go with uh, Vegas Golden Knights minus one and a half at plus 100. Uh, and I Who's think I against? will go uh, the Flyers, I believe. Sorry, I should have wrote right. down the opponents. I just wrote down the my plays that I like. I'll look that fair up enough, now. Fair enough. The other one I like for NHL is the Jets um, in regulation at plus 105 against the Blackhawks. I like that too. Yes, Vegas is playing the Flyers. 
Okay. So those are my two NHL picks. Um, I'm going to go back. I'm saying I'm a ton. I'm going to go to Army Navy. Half to, it's a must bet game under 32 and a half. The under, the under just hits in that game. It's that's automatic. Yeah. It's fun though. Yeah. Under 32 and a half. So that's three. And now I go to the NFL where this I, is where I'm I have no great here. feel. I'm going to start it off with a game I pretty much just talked myself into that we just talked about. I'm going to go 49ers uh, minus three and a half, I think. Ooh, there's one you took. All right. Yeah, I think I think the defense just takes care of business and they just find a way on offense to win that game by four or more. I'm Oh, my goodness. I'm going to go with the Titans. Minus three and a half against okay. the Jacksonville Jaguars. Right. I think they need a bounce back game in a bad way. I think the Jaguars are not that good. So, I mean, what could go wrong, right? They'll, they win by <laughs> field goal. And yeah. then I'm going to take a really disgusting pick. I, it makes no sense to me. That's the only reason I'm on it. But Lions minus two. Oh, I don't know they why they're favored. Me too. Yeah, I mean... You have to bet it. It makes yeah, no sense. Yeah, you got to take the cheese there. You got to ride with Vegas. It opened at plus uh, a, po- a half point, I think, and now it's gone all the way. And to it's lines, moved. So that two, means yeah. Vegas is happy. They're getting money on Minnesota. That's what they want. Yeah. So, I mean, just, just fade the public in the NFL and you'll probably do all right. Damien, yeah. what do you got this week? Damn. So you took two of the picks. I was going to take the 49ers that, that makes you feel good about and myself. the Lions spread. Yeah, that's got to feel good. But... I think this is a week where fa- favorites just kind of roll. I think I'm going to lead off with the Bengals spread at minus five and a half. I'm going to put my money where my mouth was against their game against the Browns. I think they get right after the Browns have had their number and I put them in my top five. So I'm going to take them to cover next. I'm going to go with the Eagles to cover seven. I think the giants have been scrambling the past few weeks and I think this Eagles team's really hitting their stride. So I think I believe in them to cover that. And then to finish this kind of cover fest, I'm going to take another three and a half point cover, but it's going to be the Seattle Seahawks against the Carolina Panthers. I think the Panthers are kind of a team that has zero identity. Meanwhile, Seattle's fighting for a playoff spot. So I think that they can cover three and a half in that. That uh, rest in peace game, the dog died for the Seahawks. Yes, the dog died for the Seahawks. Yep. That, I was going to take that one. I was I was in between that. A lot of divisional games in the NFL this week. It, it's tough. If if we yeah, have a successful, it is, it is tough. I'll be very impressed with you and I if we have a winning weekend. It's I hate the board. Me too. My last three picks, I'm going to go for an overfest here. I'm going to start with over 43 in the Jets' bills. I think it's pretty low just because that Jets' defense is I good like and that, that Bills' defense is good. But I think that both of those teams are going to get there like – this is going to be a 24 to 17 or a 27 to 17, something like that. And next I'm going to go with Cowboys Texans over 44. I think after the Cowboys actually clowned the Colts defense, I think that they can put up almost 44 themselves on the Texans. So I feel pretty confident in that. And then I'm going to ride with the Sunday night and have a little fun, do the over 52 in the Dolphins chargers, even though yeah. that could go either way. I, I looked at that one a lot. I don't feel I great about it. That's I, I, my least my least confidence inspiring. 52 is a lot of points. 
I thought about hitting the under in the Broncos game again, which is I every week at it. Hicks. But the Chiefs, yeah. the Chiefs are like the one outlier where you're like, oh, like if they they could hit that number themselves. So yeah, exactly. Tough. I'm gonna throw in a bonus one. It doesn't count against the record, just for the people. Saturday, two p.m. England money line against the against the French. It's coming home. It's coming home. I'm all in. I'm all in. Yeah, maybe to. put a future on the Netherlands to win. Yeah, you had to. I respect that. We'll uh, we'll post that as well so that people can ride with that. But I think that's going to do it. Yeah, for our picks. Hopefully we do a bit better than last week. At this point, everybody might be fading us, but who knows? Maybe we can stick it back to you. But I think that just about does it for the episode. Thanks for listening. Yep. Yes. Thank you as always. Have a good weekend, everybody. Enjoy. Happy Friday, you lovely, lovely people. Now, we made it to the end of the week.